Coming up, we're talking late model drivers of the year, plus a bunch of schedule news and more. Let's do this. Today is Tuesday, December 7th, 2021. Welcome into Dirt Tracker Daily. I'm Justin Fiedler. I don't know about you, but I'm not usually super interested in things like driver polls and power rankings that you'll see from a lot of sites and media outlets. I think they're sort of meaningless and often just a way to fill space throughout the course of the season. Outside of just trying to start fights about who should be where, I believe they don't really provide a whole lot of value. But yesterday, I saw that Dirt on Dirt released their list of drivers of the year, and I think it illustrates something we've talked about in the past on this show. Uh, and just for some context, I know a lot of people look at the Dirt on Dirt late model rankings through the course of the season, and I know they do provide some measure value in terms of like kind of elevating some drivers that don't normally get a lot of attention. Uh, Brandon Overton was named as driver of the year by the DoD folks, and in this context, I think that's probably true. He had more than 30 wins and nearly a million dollars in prize money accumulated throughout 2021. That's certainly tough to argue with here. Also on the list of National Drivers of the Year were Jonathan Davenport, Tim McCready, Hudson O'Neill, and Brandon Shepard. As you read through the blurbs for each driver, they're very much focused on individual race wins and don't talk as much about overall performances and the series they competed with. As someone who spent their entire life focused on championships both in motorsports and in stick and ball sports, I still have such a hard time wrapping my head around the fact that it seems as though championships in the late model world just don't matter that much. Overton and Davenport seem to get more praise for their marquee wins than McCready and Shepard do for being wildly consistent and winning their championships. And I don't want this to look like I'm just coming at dirt on dirt here. That's not the case. This is true for fans. This is true for the media outlets. It's kind of true for everyone. Not, I'm not just singling out dirt on dirt here. I'm just using the dirt on dirt poll as an example. TMAC had 37 top 10s in 45 Lucas shows with an average finish of about 6th while Shepard was going 30 straight races, finishing in the top 10 to close out the year and his outlaw title. But the little first sentence for each driver in the DoD piece is focused on them not winning any crown jewels. That's crazy to me. This feels like the championships get absolutely no respect. And I'm wondering why that's the case. And I know I've talked about this before, but again, it just kind of blows me away in all of this. And with the way it seems like late model racing is going, championships could continue to be de-emphasized. It's clear that Overton's season has shown drivers and teams that you don't need to focus on a national series to make both good money uh, or kind of get some of the fame and recognition, and I think it's possible more big names go that direction in the future. You can stay closer to your home base, run the big money shows, and avoid the grueling series, uh, and definitely save some money along the way. I don't blame the you know the teams and the drivers for wanting to do that, but I, I feel like we're losing something a little bit with the National Series. I don't know about you, but I'm not sure I really like that. I think there is greatness in finding a way to beat the competition over an entire year and a tough 50-plus race schedule. If you want to take a look at DoD's full list of drivers of the year right now, you can find that at DirtUnder.com. The National Drivers of the Year are on there, as are some regional guys and some local guys as well. Uh, and again, don't necessarily disagree with what they have on there. And, and even in having McCready and Shepard, you know, in the top five, it's clear that they're they're getting some measure of respect here uh, for what they did all season. But I just wish there was more emphasis on the championships in these situations. 
In advance of the PRI show in Indianapolis this week, the Super Dirt Car Series announced their 2022 schedule yesterday. The slate features nearly 30 races, and things will kick off with non-points events at Volusia for Dirt Car Nationals in February, as has become tradition. On tap for this season is the 50th Super Dirt Week at Oswego, and the season will close out in early November at Charlotte for World Finals. In between are all your favorite stops, plus some new events and some new racetracks. For the first time ever, the Big Blocks are headed to Atomic Speedway in Ohio and Bloomsburg Fair Raceway in Pennsylvania. They'll also be back at Big Diamond for the first time since 2009. There is good money on the line all year as well with the Super Dark Car Series, with most shows paying at least $7,500 to win. One notable absence from the schedule are the usual stops at the Canadian racetracks, but I think on some level that's to be expected. With COVID, the regulations for getting back and forth across the border are still incredibly complicated, which just adds to what was already not an easy border crossing for the series and the teams. Hopefully as things get better, those restrictions will ease and we can get back to some of those tracks in Canada. You can find the full schedule for the big blocks over at superdirtcarseries.com. Another schedule that got dropped yesterday was the 2022 Pennsylvania Speed Week set of races. Running June 24th through July 3rd, PA Speed Week features 10 races at 7 racetracks. Uh, the tracks include Williams Grove, Baps, Grandview, Hagerstown, Port Royal, Lincoln, and Sealands Grove. Danny Dietrich is the reigning PA Speed Week champion, and you can see more about the races at paspeedweeks.com. Since we're talking schedules and Pennsylvania, we haven't seen the full USAC set of races for 2022 just yet, but we do know that Port Royal is getting some USAC flavor next season. On June 18th, the USAC Eastern Blast will feature a local 410 sprint cars along with the USAC National Sprint Cars and Silver Crown Series. It will be the first time ever that Silver Crown will race at Port Royal. It should be a really fun race with those cars. I uh, imagine we'll have a nice mix of guys kind of way down on the bottom with some banging the cushion all the way around. Uh, definitely going to be one to watch and, and one we uh, will enjoy next season. I don't know when we'll get to see the full USAC schedules. I got asked about that yesterday. But as I said, with PRI happening this week, I think there's a solid chance that that USAC slate of races gets released in the coming days. We missed getting a chance to talk about the iRacing World of Outlaws World Championship last week because of a short week of shows. But last night at Eldora, we had a chance to have four different races, uh, four different winners through the first four races. Blake Majulis and Evan C were winners in the first two rounds, with James Edens grabbing the victory the previous week at Bristol. Even without a win so far this season, though, Alex Bergeron entered the night as the series points leader. Hayden Cardwell and Kendall Tucker led the field to green last night at Eldora, and it was Cardwell who took control at the start. From there, it was all Hayden out front with some wild racing behind him down through the top 10. On iRacing, you don't really get mechanical failures to your race car, kind of like you do in real life, but what can happen is technical issues with your computer or internet connection. And last night, points leader Bergeron got bit by those problems. With 10 to go while under caution, he lost his connection to the server and gave up the ninth position. He ended up 17th in the race, which could be a serious setback for his bid at the championship. Out front, things got wild in the closing laps with the top four of Cardwell, Edens, Tucker, and C. On the white flag lap, Edens threw a big slider at Cardwell into turn three and somehow beat him back to the line in a drag race to take the win by just three one hundredths of a second. Edens now has two straight wins and robbed us of that chance for four winners in four events. 
Cardwell finished second, C third, Tucker fourth, and Blake Majulis battled his way into the top five. Haven't seen updated point standings yet, but there is a very good chance that Edens has taken the top spot now from Bergeron. Next Monday night, the series heads to the virtual Williams Grove Speedway. Don't forget, you can watch these events for free, and they start at 9 p.m. Eastern on Monday nights. The only thing on the streaming schedule today is Flow Racing 24-7. As usual, to see the full daily streaming schedule with links to watch, visit dirttracker.com slash watch tonight. Just a quick sidebar about the analytics section. I'm using this downtime to start adding in some more past races to the database. I'm working right now through some Word of Outlaw stuff, and then I'm going to work towards getting more Chili Bowl results in as well. Currently, the site has everything back through 2013 and like to get more in before the event in January. Maybe help you uh, out some more with those pool picks this season. So keep an eye on dirttracker.com slash analytics and the premium plus section uh, as things are going to continue and improve through the next few months. Uh, don't forget those plus memberships are available right now, $4.99 a month or $49.99 a year. That's it for the show today. Hope you have a good Tuesday. If you have thoughts about the topics on today's show, please leave them in the comments below or tweet at me. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow for more Dirt Tracker Daily.